Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Stephen Kellogg, a musician who has performed more than 2,000 shows around the world. I've had the pleasure of seeing him in concert a few times, so I'm extremely excited to have the chance to talk to him today. If you've never heard his music, my biggest suggestion is to simply just pause the podcast right now pull up some of his songs, take a listen. I promise you won't be disappointed and then come back to hear the interview. Thanks so much for joining us today, Stephen. It's great to be here, Matt. Well, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the music industry? When did you really know you wanted to pursue a career focused on singing and songwriting? Well, you know, I think I knew in my bones the first time I went to a live concert, you know, I'm 10 years old and I go see White Snake and it's, and it just, it instantly struck me as the greatest job in the world. Um, but, you know, like, like a lot of folks, I, I didn't, I'm not sure I real thought of it as a real possibility, you know, and then, and then through life, I would, there would be these little things that would happen. And, and, uh, and at some point I started kind of, realizing I could make more doing that than, than staining decks like I was and stuff like that, you know, and I'm in college and you go, actually, this could be a career. And then I graduated college and thought, no, 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 it can't and worked in the music business for a bit. Uh, and at some point I just realized I didn't really have a choice and, and uh, that this was something I really needed to do or I wouldn't be happy. So <laughs> Um, I made that transition when I was 23 or 24, and and uh, I'm 43 now. So here we are. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by what leadership looks like in different fields. Um, I'll lay my cards out there. I love listening to music, but I'm not musically inclined at all. I tried uh, I tried trumpet in high school, and let's just say I'm I'm never quitting my day job. But for <laughs> For those of us outside looking in, what, what does leadership look like to you in your profession? What, do you, what kind of skills do you believe are the most valuable when it comes to leading a band or, or leading a, a musical organization? Sure, that's a great question. Um, you know, like you, I, I'm really interested in leadership and what that's looked like. And I always have been, you know, uh, in the arts field or any, but, but um, in this in this job, I think you kind of have two, two roles, you know, on the one hand, a band or a musical endeavor is a business like any other. So there's that ability to kind of organize the situation and create a vision and then, and then try to, you know, get the people working on that vision to buy into it and support it and move towards it, you know, and that's, that's, that's a more traditional view of leadership, and that certainly exists in a band, you know, convincing folks, hey, I think we should make a record, I think we should do a tour, I think this would be a, be a good next move for us or whatever. And that part always came fairly easily to me, you know, I, I, I had the vision and I, and I was happy to sell it to the people who seemed to want to be interested in it. You know, the other part, though, of course, is, as you just mentioned, being a band leader and how to work with, 
you know, the psychology of people when you're in a creative industry like a band and, and you know, how to transition between sort of the business side of what you're doing and the art side of what you're doing. And that's, you know, that has taken me longer to get good at. You know, I, I look back and kind of shudder when I comb through my 20s and early 30s, especially at at some of the some of the some of the decisions I made and, you know, just often not really bringing out the best in people, you know, and, and I mean, look, I, it could have been done better. And I, and I like to think that I've, I've learned more about, about what that entails, but I think for the most part with that, you know, you really have to figure out what people's strengths are on your team and as much as possible, load them up with on those things. And then you work around your deficiencies, including your own, you know, having self-awareness as the, leader of the operation at what you're what you do best and what you what you don't and then you just try to create a team and if something's not right on the team having the courage to make adjustments and address it you know all that stuff comes into play in a rock and roll band just like any any other field what's uh what surprised you the most about your um, journey as a leader or what would you tell a, a younger Stephen Kellogg ready to get on stage for I guess show number 18, now that you've, you know, got north of 2000 under your Well, oh God, there's a lot of things I'd like to tell myself, but you know, I think one of the things that you need to consider in a band or in any business or any leadership role is, you know, you've got to, is, is that you, you need to, you need to have some fun while this is going on. I mean, business is stressful and all those things, but you know, if you're not if if you're not able to to some degree enjoy the process of building something, then you might not, and it might not be worth it. You know, it's just not. I look back at at how intense. I was. I thought if I just worked really hard and put my head down and then I then then X, Y, and Z would happen. And, and in some cases, none of those things happened, you know? Um, and what it becomes, and it's a little cliche to say this, but it's it's the journey, you know? It's like you're you're gonna sit down, you're gonna try, you're gonna make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, you can apologize when you get something wrong. You should be able to hopefully learn from what you do wrong and then maybe laugh about it, you know, but being intense all the time, which I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are, it's, it's not necessarily good. You know, you can find yourself a bit lonesome and, and it's, it doesn't necessarily help you get where you're going any quicker. And I wish I could go back to, and, and sort of, enjoy the journey a little bit more than I did, you know, and, and, um, and I think the people around me might have enjoyed the journey a little bit more had I been able to be that kind of leader at that time too, you know. It's, um, it's interesting to me and, and poignant that you call yourself an entrepreneur, which makes a lot of sense. Um, when you think about it, it was, was it surprising to know when, you know, you first got interested in the field how much of your time you would spend on tasks that had absolutely nothing to do with creating <laughs> music. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you and I were just talking before this podcast started about everything that's going on right now and 
2020 and how we're managing the coronavirus, but you know, so much, so much time invested in other other things outside of the creative. And I used to kind of resent that. You know, I used to think like I'm the only one that can write these songs or do the show. So why am I doing all this? And then I don't know, maybe five, maybe a few more years ago, but I started to really embrace it. You know, we 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 made our we we took our online store and made it the Kellogg family store and just started treating this like the small business that it that it is. And and some days I just fill packages and put stamps on envelopes and you know uh, call the internet company and and I realized like that's what keeps you human that's what keeps you humble that's what's I mean you you wouldn't want to just do the 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 art stuff all the time I mean I, there's a handful of humans on Earth that maybe do that but I I just think. It's very, it's very good for the soul to to not always be doing that and to to mix, you know, to have a broad palette. I love that, and I think it it actually kind of moves us interestingly into the TED talk that you gave. So in in 2013, you gave a a talk on job satisfaction, and and I've watched it a few times now, and I, I rewatched it before this interview, and the the line that resonated with me was. You said something to the effect of, I, I believe that our ability to be satisfied with our work is something that is well within our grasp. I don't think it's specific to any one field. And then, then you talked about job performance evaluations in the music business, which I thought was a really nice way to, to put it and how you personally have dealt with the positives and the negatives. How did you, um, one, the, the process of giving the TED Talk, what motivated you to do that? And then how do you find motivation and, and satisfaction in the good, but maybe more importantly, in the, during those bad times? Sure. Well, the TED Talk came at an interesting time. I, I My band of 10 years had just broken up and uh, and this, uh, this, and TED, this uh, cu- curator, I think that's what they're called, curators, uh, reached out to me and it was the second time they had reached out and they were a fan of my music and said we'd love to have you do a TED talk and it was just the timing was perfect for me to do one but I really didn't feel like an expert at music you know I'm I'm sitting here licking my wounds about my band breaking up and not knowing what the future held and I so I thought what am I an expert at and um and I settled at that time on on job satisfaction and, and I might tweak that a little bit now in in 2020 from from then but I really started looking at in spite of all the challenges we had faced it, I really had sort of been fully present in the journey and and, and I, I started thinking can you put can you apply this to any job and really sandblasting what it would take to to get something out of your work, you know, regardless of the field you were in. And uh, so that was the the process of giving the TED Talk really helped me work out some of my ideas about that stuff. And and that has been a great, you know, avenue because it's led to, it led to me eventually writing a book and, and doing a lot more speaking for companies and groups. And so it was a great experience. Um, in terms of the job performance side of things and the positives and the negatives, you certainly, I'm in a career where, you know, review, there's so much rejection in in the music business. It's just 
surreal. And, 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 and even though I'm a sensitive guy, I, you know, I get so many balls in the air on any given day that you don't notice all the ones that don't, you know, that don't pan out. And once in a while, something stings like crazy. Uh, you know, I've had bad reviews or, or, you know, artists who I really respect who, who I know are not, I'm not their cup of tea. And, you know, that's hard. It's like any job. It's, it, it hurts, you know, but uh, you can, you know, you learn to look at it and go, is there anything useful in what I, in, in this feedback that I'm getting? And if there is, can I learn from it and improve what I'm doing? Or is this just, or, or do I just accept the fact that we're not all going to see things the same way? And, you know, we don't all like the same kinds of music. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you look at it closely, you can usually discern the difference between, you know, there's something useful to be learned, but not always. Sometimes somebody just, you know, is going to give you some negative feedback and you can go, okay, well, you're entitled to feel that way. And, but that it doesn't, it's not necessarily correct. And other times someone says something and you go, yep, you know what, I can do better. And you do better because of it. And that's, um, you know, that's the difference between useful negative feedback and, and, and stuff that's not useful. So I, I love that. And you mentioned briefly in that answer about the book, and I wanted to ask about that. Um, you made the decision, and I don't know when you first made the decision, but it, it's getting released this year. It's called Objects in the Mirror. Uh, and I love the, I don't know if it's the subtitle, but I love what comes after that. It says, thoughts on a perfect life from an imperfect person. So I guess it's a two-part question. Um, what was the process like to decide to write the book? And then thoughts on a perfect life from an imperfect person. Why did you end up subtitling it that? Uh, well, you know, the book process, A, was infinitely more difficult than I thought it would be. Uh, I, I thought, I didn't realize what a solo sport writing is. You spend so many hours in solitary confinement kind of wrestling paragraphs to the ground. Um, so I started the whole thing um, about four years ago. And about a year and a half in, I thought I was getting close. So I had announced that the book would come out with an album and I started selling copies of it only to completely blow the deadline. And we're, you know, just now, two years later, sending out books uh, for, for, you know, and, and the book will officially come out later this, you know, this year. Um, July 7th, I think it is. Um, so the process was, was difficult and grueling, but as with so many things in life, the right people would come into my life at the right time. You know, you'd know you were looking for, I, I met an editor at just the right time who was able to come in and very firmly, but gently kind of guide me through my thinking and my writing. And, and then a copy editor came in at the right time and helped me, you know, make it look less illiterate it was it was a a real a real humbling journey to to get that done um and that is in so many ways what the subtitle is you know thoughts on a perfect life from an imperfect person i i uh the book is a collection of essays about the stuff that that has mattered the most in my life so the first half of the book is about relationships and there's a chapter on marriage and a chapter on friendship and a chapter on parents and heroes and kids and then the second half of the book 
is called everything else that matters. And that's time and health and forgiveness and integrity, legacy, work, all those things. They're, they're each a chapter. So I started putting these essays together. And at some point it occurred to me that what I was collecting were thoughts on a life well lived. Uh, but as I reflected and looked at my essays, so much of, of what I do as a as a communicator is share with people the mistakes that I've made and you know, here's what I've found. And that's so much of what my music is and my show is like, here's some things I've learned. I'm not telling you to live your life this way. I would never do that. But um but this is what I've found and maybe it will help you, you know? And uh, so once I, once I knew that was kind of the essays were like my songs and my, my talks, and that's kind of the idea that was uh, that title kind of revealed itself. Hmm. When you, when you think about I mean, you called yourself there communicator, which, which really resonated with me. And when you think about as a, as a songwriter or as an author, um, the, the song of yours that has always resonated the most with me is uh, my favorite place. And as the audience, we only ever get to see that kind of finished product, the, the concert or the book in this example. Sure. When do you as the artist get to the point where you know you're on the precipice of being done? How do you know when to kind of put the pen down and, and call it complete? Well, there's that great, I think it's a Picasso quote or something. I, I, great, great art is never finished. It's only abandoned or something like that. Um, which, which I, you know, to some degree you feel that. But um, it's a great question, Matt. You know, I, uh, because you're in Austin, I, I'll share this story. When I, last time I played in Austin, we played over at ACL and I thought I was done with the book. And I was out on tour with the band and, and after our show in Austin, I got on the bus with them and I said, hey, you guys want to hear one of these chapters? I'll read you a chapter from the book. I hadn't looked at it in like three and a half weeks and I was feeling good and just thought like, this will be fun. And I read them a chapter and it was so clear to me that it was not done and that it was not good, really. It just, you know, and I had worked on this book for two and a half years at this point or something. And there I was on the just very clear, like, wow, this is not a good piece of writing. And I burst into tears and they're like, it's not that bad Kellogg, but you know, I knew I'm like, all right, we got to go back to the drawing board. So I swallowed hard. And when I got home from that tour, I went back and spent the summer fixing things and changing things. And, and eventually you start, reading it to people and testing it a little bit and you don't want to cry anymore. You know, you're, you're, you're reasonably pleased with what you're hearing, you know? And that is when, at least for me, I go, okay, I think it might be time to, I'm not sure I have more to add to this, you know, and I, I'm not sure I have other ideas and it doesn't kill me to read it or, you know, I don't feel bad about it. Then, okay, maybe we're ready to go out the door. Um, and I think, I'm sure there are other uh, people who have different standards and levels of perfectionism. But for me, it's just once you feel you've done your best, you know, and you've gotten to where you're going to get within reasonable expectation, then you go, okay, this one's done for now. And, and we'll move on to the next thing. Uh, so, yeah. 
I, I really appreciate that perspective and I think it resonates with with me or, or others in, in different fields and and we normally um, in the in the spirit of finishing we normally finish our show with um, two rapid fire questions uh, that we ask all of our guests and I could continue this conversation indefinitely but do you mind if I audible and ask you two additional rapid fire questions more focused on your profession and then hit you with the normal two questions yeah hit me many questions as you got man i'm here number one on the on the uh the music front you can do a a concert anywhere in the world where are you playing and and what song of yours would you close that show with uh i would play new york city which i have many times i would play the beacon theater in new york city and I would close it with objects in the mirror. Hmm, I love it. And um, on the uh, special rapid fire number two, you can pick any song, not yours, any artist in the world that has ever lived, and you get to play it with them. What song would top the list? I would love to sing Cats in the Cradle with Harry Chapin. You know, that's that's the song I've been kind of chasing my whole life. And I, I do write a lot about family and friendship and things like that. And I just, I just feel like, that song sung by that humble man was it's it's like what i aim at you know well i've really enjoyed the the conversation the last two questions that we ask everybody um if you could describe your own personal leadership style in one word what would that word be <laughs> oh god can i have two words can i just do two can i put two adjectives together and say we'll, we'll hyphen it you can put it together all right Benevolently aggressive. Benevolently aggressive. Oh, yeah. I'm adding that to the list. I like it. And the last rapid fire question is this. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, take care of the work and the work will take care of you. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us today, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Where can our listeners find out more about you? I know we all have Facebooks and we have Instagrams and Twitters, and I'm certainly active on those, but I am a fan of the good old fashioned website uh and mine is stephenkellogg.com s-t-e-p-h-e-n-k-e-l-l-o-g-g.com and that's uh that's kind of got that's that's the the mothership for us so that's where you should look well i will definitely put in a a personal plug follow him on all the socials hit the website take a listen to his music and don't miss your chance to see him perform. And if you enjoyed today's show, um, please share it with your network. You can find me at Matthew Confer on all the socials, and you can find our organization Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and be sure to subscribe so you get our next episode. And I want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. <laughs>